0: The second commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. An excerpt from... In Christ, All Things Hold Together, And the Intersection of Science and Christian Theology, as released by the Commission on Theology and Church Relations of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, in February of 2015. Um, this is from page 79, 78 and 79. Talking about scientism. In its strong form, scientism asserts that materialistic science is the only means of knowing what is real. Materialists typically claim that science can only disclose material causes of material effects. Notice this is much stronger than saying that most of the time this is what science does which is uncontroversial. It later says if science is the only way to know what is real and science can only discover the material than immaterial entities, are unknowable. How should thoughtful Christians respond to such an argument? One response is an in-principle objection. Full-strength scientism is internally incoherent for two reasons. First, scientism is not science, materialistic or otherwise, but a philosophical claim about science. If that is so, and materialistic science exhausts what is knowable, then no one can know that scientism is true. Second, even within science, scientific theories require for their formulation the existence of abstract objects like numbers and mathematical relations. Abstract objects, however, are not material objects, and, as many philosophers argue, They are not the sort of properties whose instances can stand in physical, causal relations with the brain. These theories are themselves collections of propositions held to be at least approximately true, and propositions, and arguably truth itself, also seems to be abstract entities and hence not physical. If this is right, and if scientism is true, then scientific theories are not themselves knowable, because they involve non-materialistic metaphysical commitments. On the other hand, if we can know that a scientific theory is at least approximately true, then it must be that we can have knowledge of the non-material entities that are presupposed by stating that theory, and by attempting to verify or falsify its claim, in which case scientism is false. Uh, that's a lot, honestly. Uh, took me a couple read throughs to figure that one out and to you know, mine some of the some of the of the wisdom there. that's that's pretty complicated. So I'm gonna try and go over that again with some examples that i've I've seen of some of the practical applications of scientism in in my life and and amongst the discussions that I've had with some of my friends today it's becoming more pervasive in my experience that people are not atheistic not really mankind is religious in nature um, Romans 1 speaks of this that, that we, we know of God because of the created order because we can see something exists so the creator must exist as well um the problem then comes when we have to discover who this Creator is. We have to decide what is truth, and through that truth we can seek out the, um, the secrets, or I guess, not secrets, but the, the knowledge, understanding of, of what is, of, of the universe, of our existence. Man finds purpose in seeking truth. And modern man seeks it with science without fully comprehending the consequence of doing so, without fully comprehending that the very act of claiming science as the arbiter of all truth is a religious one. So I'm going to start from the beginning here and go through this. Scientism asserts scientism in its strong form asserts that materialistic science is the only means of knowing what is real. That is to say that if we can't touch it, if we can't feel it, and we can't experiment on it in a lab, then it must not be real. One example I had of this uh, was a YouTube video that I recently watched where someone was discussing the the nature of the transporters in Star Trek and the you know, do they work by destroying you on one and rebuilding you on the other? And how could we know if there was a difference? You know, w- w- let's assume there's no soul, then I guess it's you because it's the same atoms, right? Well, that's an assumption. There's a, there's a fundamental assumption that there is no soul there, which is not a scriptural assumption. But his argument to discount the soul is, well, if we can't measure it, then it can't affect anything. Right? If it's, if it's and if it's immeasurable by scientific tools, then it can't have any effect, which I, th- I would argue is a flawed, is a flawed thesis. Right? There are those things we cannot necessarily measure with actual physical instruments, which don't interact with physical instruments that are real nonetheless. This is brought up later in this point where it talks about abstract ideas, right? Numbers, right? I want you to I want you to go to a lab and test five. Just test it. Right? Experiment on five. Or um, more abstract. Uh, what else could we say? Abstract. I want you to test out the the identity theory, right? the 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 principle of identity that a thing is what it is, right? I need you to go and 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 explore this that that this thing is in fact this thing. Well, well, you're going to run into a bit of an issue there. There's there's a bit of a problem when you try and scientifically test the metaphysical. It doesn't work, and so because science requires these non-physical entities that you actually can't experiment on, and and it needs them, perhaps scientism is missing something. But they assert that they're not. They assert that if they can't measure it or test it through physical means, it must not be of sufficient impact to be tested, and either can be assumed as just part of the way things are, right? The the personified universe, as they are so uh, so commonly referencing, right? The universe did this, or the you know gravity does that. It's amazing how, how often it's personified. Nature selects. No, nature doesn't do anything. Sorry, Darwinists, Darwinists. Um, nature doesn't pick people. Nature is is not personal um, so to get back to the point scientism asserts that materialistic science is the only means of knowing what is real and we, we can tell that this is wrong already but the problem is it's not even consistent within itself and neither are the people who adhere to it because there's always there's there's, there's some additional limitations which I will get into when I cover my, my personal experiences here, right? If science is the only way to know what is real and science can only discover the material, immaterial entities are unknowable, right? Well, that's only if science is the only way of knowing things, right? That completely ignores any other means. The, the reality of anything that is not detectable and um able to be replicated so so this this philosophy right not 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 science but this philosophy will automatically discount things like miracles by definition as being impossible this is this is why trying to argue miracles with a scientist would be a, a very difficult task because they will argue that if it can't be replicated it can't happen to a certain extent to a certain extent they will argue that They may not codify it that clearly, but that is what they believe, that everything that is can be replicated in a lab. And anything that breaks from that, anything that breaks from the uniformity of the world in their minds is not welcome in their worldview. So trying to argue for something like the humanity of the unborn can be a difficult topic, if you're not understanding the underlying philosophies behind it. Um, this is a philosophical assertion, right? This is what, um, what comes later. First, scientism is not science, but a philosophical claim about science. right? You can't prove that science is the only way of knowing things scientifically, because science is limited to science. Science is limited to its own domain. It can't exit that domain and and start to explore the realm of philosophy because philosophy gen- cannot be tested scientifically. You cannot test the the nature of the spirit in a test tube because spirit is abstract, right? Consciousness is abstract. You can you can perform experiments on how consciousness exists and, and and the ways it interacts with people but we can't fully understand it we can understand parts of it right there's a big big to-do in the scientific community about AI you know it's all it's the big deal but that is assuming that it is purely a material entity that consciousness is purely material if consciousness is something more than material if it is more than the patterns within our brains, science will never be able to understand that and test it and replicate it. And so there are fundamental assumptions that must be made uh, to presume that things like AI are possible. And those assumptions are philosophical in nature. They are not scientific. Indeed, if... um, if all things are can, can be known, can be if the, um, if scientism is correct, right, and material science is the only way of knowing what is real, then you can't actually know that scientism is true, right? If if you take on faith that material science is the only way of of knowing the truth, you can't prove that. Even if you take that as an a priori part of your belief system, you must you must admit that it is just an a priori belief that you're purely basing everything that you have on a faith statement. No matter how much they might say, well we have evidence and we have knowledge, they're basing it on their on their presuppositions, their principles, and their, dare I say religion, of scientism. They're gods of time and chaos, right? The, the gods of Einstein and, and Darwin are time and chaos, and they trust these gods to bring about the world that we see and, and to, to have given guidelines by which they ought to interact with the world, by which people ought to interact with the world. We'll touch more on this, this later. Right. So we've touched that if it's a philosophical claim— then you can't actually know it because philosophical claims are not science. And even within science, abstract things are necessary. So we've got two things, like the philosophical claim is false and science science in and of itself requires abstractions that cannot be proven but must be assumed. The the nature of of thought in and of itself, the idea of two, cannot be tested. The idea of of two is is such a... Radical concept. The idea that, that we have infants who are able to conceive of numbers is honestly fantastic. The idea, we, we take it for such for granted. Numbers are fantastic creations of God. Math is beautiful. I'm, I'm not a mathematician. I, I sometimes wish I was, and then I, I think about, well, maybe not. Um, th- those are some real nerds, and I don't know if I have that kind of patience. But there's incredible beauty in the mathematics of the world as God created it. And uh, there's a lot of, of wisdom to be mined from that, uh, even within the natural world. If scientism is true, therefore, scientific theories are not themselves knowable because they involve non-materialistic metaphysical components. That is, scientific theories require numbers and ideas. If you can only base truth on material principles, then you can't even have material principles because you can't observe things. You can't count without abstractions. You can't count without the metaphysics of mathematics. So science cannot be a supreme philosophy. It can't be the ruling philosophy. And they know this, right? There's always something underlying it. On the other hand, if we can know that scientific theories are at least approximately true, right? We know that the motions of heavenly bodies roughly uh, follow the equations set forth by Newton. You know, th- we've had to make a few adjustments here and there, but generally speaking, the mathematics work. Right. So, so we know that that scientific theories are good depictions of the real world. They're not completely crazy. But if that's the case, then we must ha- be able to know that uh, non-material entities exist. Right? It must be that we can have knowledge of the non-material entities that are presupposed by stating that theory and by attempting to verify or falsify its claims. So, so if we try and prove something, if we try and prove something, by using logic or mathematics or trial and error, we, if 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 we want to acknowledge that what we've proven is either true or false at the end of it, we have to presume the numbers and the trial and error and the the um, the fundamental presuppositions are in fact valid. You know that numbers work. Right, because if you just went up and said, "Well, I'm sorry, but I don't believe that two plus two equals four. I think it equals five. So, therefore, you've proven nothing." Well, that's ridiculous, because if because we we know that th- that these principles are at the very least accurate to the world, but but they can't be proven. So, if someone were to come up and assert, "Hey, this thing that you take as a presupposition is actually false," suddenly you can't prove anything and you can't study anything. So there must be an underlying presupposition about the consistency of the world, right? It's going to hold together. It can be explored. Two, abstractions can be relied upon to explain this world. And uh, three, The world is worth explaining, and there's value in explaining the things that are. There's something to think about there. So, therefore, scientism is, I would argue, I'm now going to set aside the book and and just kind of riff Scientism is a false religion that bases itself on a higher religion, on a different faith, and uses that faith to prop itself up, to support itself and endure the inconsistencies that it so evidently has. So now the story. The story of a good friend of mine, who I got the chance to meet this summer, a friend from college. He, uh, he and I had some great chats in college, some, some just fantastic explorations of things, um, theological, scientific, philosophical, social, political, right up uh, those things that I just I love to talk about um, and there's probably going to be another day where I talk about how the the situations of my my upbringing and my my environments have made it so that I actually am almost more comfortable talking with someone I disagree with and, and, and when I can have something to hash out and explore uh, than when I'm with people I agree with who aren't willing to even hash the things that we agree upon out. Um, frustration there, but but suffice it to say then that I had this opportunity to talk with a buddy. And we, we talked about a variety of topics that may come up in later times, but the, the one I want to start with is the end of our conversation. And I had to catch, uh, catch a train, and so we had to hit things in terms of high concept and hit them as fast as possible because when you're you know trying to wrap up a good conversation a good deep conversation it doesn't help to get stuck in niceties or um, long-winded anecdotes uh, if you only got 10 minutes to, to wrap up a conversation about you know the metaphysical good luck so we stuck it to a single, a single issue and tried to boil the understandings that we each had on this issue down to their cores, or at least I did. Um, and I feel like I got, a good, I got a good response out of it. So I was sitting or standing on this, this train platform with him, and we were talking about Abortion. And it's a, it's a testy subject. I mean, it's always going to be a testy subject because, of it, because it's a theological one. Because it's not social or cultural. It is a theological discussion on both sides. problem is that it's not both sides that realize that they're having a theological debate. So this was what I wanted to bring to his attention. This is what I wanted him to understand. We are having a theological discussion. We are having a theological disagreement. And he gave me the f- the fodder for that. He said, "Look, we really we really don't know whether it's human or not because of its stage of development." And I got into him at first on well, you know, if you were if you were old, would you be not human because of development? Like how does development define humanity? But then that didn't actually get anywhere. That, that debate, trying to argue with the point, with him on that point, and show him where his point was flawed, didn't, didn't necessarily get very far. Until I, I took a step back and I said, Look, we do know. We do know that it's human because of what makes us human, right? Right. And I said, you know, and he said, well, no, we, we really don't. I mean, scientifically, we don't. And I said, no, we do. And, and then I told him, look, that the fact that you think that it's not sure, that it's not absolutely certain that it's human, that is what we disagree upon, in fact, is the confidence in whether or not this is, in fact, a living human. so our disagreement isn't in necessarily the definition of development it's in our philosophy on the nature of human life and and because he doesn't know he doesn't study prenatal uh, de, uh, you know development or he doesn't study the uh, the unborn he's always going to defer to Someone else who has or someone else who talks about it and, and say, well, you know, it's at this early stage of development. We don't know what defines a human and, and we're not really, we're, we aren't really sure. And my big thing was, no, you're not really sure. You don't know your religion well enough. And so you're willing to say, well, it's, it's, it's a mystery. It's something that's just not been revealed to us through our, our beautiful sciences. And I would say, no, it is. It is something that we know. It's something that we can have, have surety over. Now, I would say this because I would say it's revealed in Scripture. right? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. There you go. God said so. It's pretty straightforward. How do we know he said so? Because Jesus quotes the Old Testament frequently, and that uh, is part of the Old Testament. And Jesus rose from the dead. There you go. Apologetic. Boom. Bada bing, bada boom. Suddenly we have a religious difference. Suddenly the discussion that we are having, excuse me, suddenly the discussion that we are having is not anymore about the nature of the unborn. Now, I, 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 will, I will pause here. There is, there is completely valid reason to scientifically say that the, the unborn is human because it's human DNA. I mean, that's, that's pretty straightforward, right? That's a unique hum, human genet, genetic code. That's human. I don't care if, you, if it's not as developed. That doesn't define humanity, right? The disabled are just as human as we are. The, 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 those with Alzheimer's or in comas are just as human as we are. We're not somehow more enlightened just because we are in a different state of, of being sorry no it's not the case um gosh I'm just not gonna make any friends am I <laughs> not, not gonna be reaching outside my little bubble stuck here with with the people who know me but that's all right I'm not I'm not looking to not looking to make anybody else happy at this point just looking to talk and see who's interested in what I have to say anyway scientifically we have evidence but that's not the point because the point I needed to make with him was you have a religion and it's different you have a belief system and it's different you have a faith that you don't actually understand this this idea had, had or this um, not idea line of questioning had come to me uh, from some of the conversations we had had earlier in the week. He had been talking about climate change. And it's not something that I'm incredibly well versed in. You know Obviously there is evidence that the past few years have been warmer on um, have had a warming trend. Okay, cool. So what, you know, things change, but it is, I mean, we need to be good stewards of creation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We ought to make sure that we are taking care of the earth. Yeah. Uh, We also ought to make sure we're taking care of our neighbors and not dooming them to poverty and destitution because we're so busy trying to have our consciences clean because we want our little area of the world to not just smell as pretty as it does right now, but to also look like we're some holy people, right? We're some special people, some saints of, of going out for the good word of cleaning the planet, right? Even when we live in our perfectly comfortable place, spending plenty of electricity on plenty of personal um, leisure, which is a topic for another day but he he didn't take any of these relatively decent arguments he simply said well smarter people than i know th- know these things they know what they're talking about and so i i listen to them and that gives and because i listen to the smart people that gives me the right to do what i can to enact these policies that i want because I'm smarter than other people and I understand these things and they don't and so that I should have the right to affect their lives. I, I, I hope sincerely that if he has a chance to listen that he'll he'll be honest enough to to say that that is in fact what he was what he was saying right I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try and sugarcoat it that the argument he was making was I'm smarter than your average Joe about these things because I am a disciple of the wise teachers about this. And though I have not reached their levels of enlightenment, I am more enlightened than average Joe. Therefore, I can inflict my will upon him. And this is kind of where I want to go with, with wanted to get to with the combination of scientism and this, that this is, this is the religious hierarchy that scientism uses. This is the the way that it interacts with the world around it and interacts with the average person. It's not through actual evidence necessarily. Sometimes it is, but I would argue that where scientism is wrong is the very points where it is so comfortable deferring to well that's just what is well that's just what what the experts say that's just what the the people in the field say that's just what the sainted einstein and darwin and hawking and you know whoever else you want to say that's what they said so it must be true the math works well it actually doesn't It never does. That's why you have to constantly add things and adjust things and be surprised by things because the math doesn't work because things are complicated. Stop pretending you're so smart to figure it out all right now. Seriously, it's the the height of hubris to think that we can figure it all out right now at this particular moment in time because somehow we're more enlightened than everyone else. That's what they all thought too. That's what everybody thought. Oh, we got it all figured out. We know all these gods that control all these things, and boom, bada-bing, bada-boom, you got your universe, right? There's great humility in, in the origins of science, which is simply saying, huh, I bet there's some order out there that we could explore and utilize. But, but to, to take that order and, and try and think you can understand all of it right now and develop your perfectly consistent worldview, you're just going to be chasing an impossible dream. Imagining that you can find all the secrets. You're going to constantly have a job, good for you, as a priest in a temple. In a temple that worships a God that is silent and deadly. Time. Time and the universe. Scientism's God is the ancient God Kronos or Saturn. It is the father of all modern deities, the one from whom all things pour forth. The belief that if we give things sufficient time, they must become the way they are now. Because they are that way now, so I guess that's how they have to be. If we just have enough, enough multiverses, eventually, eventually evolution has to work we just give it billions of years or maybe let's say trillion well see oh the universe can only be this this old and, and we have to have these processes so well yeah let's just give it give it a few billion years and i guess it has to be the case because we're here to see it right wrong it's not how logic works that's a that's a that's a that's a belief that's a religion you're, you're worshiping kronos you are worshiping the personification of the universe as though it has some some good intent toward you that is that is shown out over long periods of time and that somehow now you are capable of understanding whereas the unenlightened people who worship the, the same god you worship in the past well they, they were just they were just fools no no you do not deceive yourselves guys Scientists, scientismists, oh, that that rolls off the tongue, scientismists, you are, you are worshiping a god one way or the other, and you can pretend that you're more enlightened than the rest of us, but you'll find yourself in a very, very difficult place intellectually, uh, you will you will struggle to to get your your worldview to work, and you'll struggle to find that additional purpose and meaning outside of the philosophical claims that you make outside of that worldview. Right? The idea that human life is valid, is or, or not, is valuable. The idea that human life is valuable, intrinsically is philosophical. The idea that numbers work is philosophical. So right then and there, we, we've undermined two things. First, the idea that, that you have a right to be alive, to study these things. And second, that you have a way to study them at all. You're taking this on faith. So don't please don't judge me. Please do not sit there and judge me on the fact that I take, that I believe in the resurrection. That I that I trust the historical record of Christ that, that testifies to Christ and him crucified. Do not mock me for that, because your entire worldview is based on faith. And look where that's gotten us now. Look at what the father of your pantheon has brought forth, the children he's created, how they consume one another. Zeus, the god of power, the god of, of authority and order, the man who rules with the fist of justice, the, the Nietzsche's ubermensch, right? The man who must exist post-God because without him there is chaos the man who who can bring order and, and make sure that all things function properly, who must be a god of terror and thunder, who must rule with lightning to strike down those who stand in his way, the communist leader of the populist state. How much has that Caused. How much death is Zeus responsible for? The son of this Kronos. Yes, yes, the son of this Kronos that you have. The son of time and the, the universe. The son of Einstein and Darwin. The communist man. The the the, the man of power. The man of lawlessness. <laughs> Who shall we cover next? Perhaps I don't know Hephaestus. Who could Hephaestus be? The god of industry, right? The god of the god of one's own hands. That perhaps we can shape the world to be what we want it to be through the things we build. Yes, that that by. By having by affecting the, the way that we, we run our technology, we can build a better world. If we just if we could just get those those frustrating people who think the wrong things to, to shut up, then then we could have our perfect world. If we could just take humans out of the equation and have robots do everything, then then we could we could build our perfect world, right? Hephaestus had mechanical assistance. Right? The technocracy, Hephaestus's workshop lies in, in Silicon Valley. And who is, he, who is he wedded to in time? Of course, it's Aphrodite. It makes perfect sense, right? What do we have the technology for anyway? Vanity, vanity and leisure. Oh, he must be good friends with Dionysius right the god of free love right oh it's love you must you must accept these people because they love each other it must be okay because they love each other guys it's just it's just love you got to you got to respect that no that's a false god that's a different god i don't worship that god i think he's i think he's totally wrong I'm clearly not on quite the road here I'm trying to look up the a decent picture of the pantheon so I can make sure I don't miss any it um, and they're all they their hierarchy too because gosh that's hard aha here we go Hades oh Hades the god of death yeah hephaestus I jumped to a little early but Liked that one, right? He's an extension of authority. So we have Zeus, the god of the god of power. Hades, the god of death. Right, an extension of, of this Chronos, uh, an extension of time, is death, absolutely necessary for evolution, absolutely necessary for what they would then believe is the improvement of the human race. Right. In order to evolve, you have to die. You have to kill. Death is okay. It's not really death if we kill the unborn. Their death pays for my pleasure. It should be all right for someone to kill themselves. No, I don't believe that. It's a false god. You're totally, you're totally wrong. And, and what you're making is, is a statement of faith that completely contradicts with Scripture. And you have no actual foundation for that belief either. Demeter, or whatever her name is, Demeter—I think it's Demeter—goddess of the harvest, right? The goddess of food. And 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 honestly, this one, this one's a this one's a doozy, right? Well, I work in the fields. I must, I must be good, cause look at the in, look at the beautiful bounty that I've created. Oh, God must really like me, cause I got my farm. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'll work the land. I must be good. Right. No, it's not how it works, sir. Don't think that because of the the fact that you have brought about prosperity, that somehow that makes you better than anyone else. Just to touch on a couple other ones, right? Ares, God of War. I mean, this one's pretty pretty self evident, right? If we just if we just go in and we 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 set up a, our own little little country, we go in with with the guns, then then maybe we can we can bring peace in our time. Right, peace in our time. Yeah, right. And what did that lead to? the greatest holocausts, the greatest genocides in human history, more dead than ever before. That was peace in our time. The God of war does not sleep. And those who, who would worship that as some as some good thing too. That oh if we just go in and we just conquer these people, then then they'll then we'll finally have peace, right? Let's just go to war with another person. Then we'll finally We'll finally be over with it. No. It doesn't work that way. Athena. Ooh. Wisdom itself. In philosophy we will find purpose. Right? This is this is Peterson. This is Jordan Peterson. If we if I simply look at the underlying principles, there must be some truth there that can can make us, I don't know, die less unhappily? No. We have Christ and him crucified. I don't need your wisdom. I don't need you to try and read out the psychological benefits of biblical stories. I, I, I utterly reject it. I igno- I, I'm, I'm glad that you see that it's true. And I'm saddened by the fact that you think that somehow your wisdom is, is capable up to the task. Right. This is just some basic riffing. I think, I think I could probably flesh this out a little bit more later, right? These, these ch- are all the children of, of Kronos. These are all the children of that Darwinian, Einsteinian demigod, right? that, that being who brings about the order in the universe according to the inevitable march of time, which we can't explore scientifically. We have no idea what happened in the ancient past, except in studying the present, and there we must make the assumption that the past and the present functioned the same way, which is an assumption, the uniformitarianist assumption, the idea that all things work the same as they always have. I mean, that's a pretty bold assumption, and there's also the corollary here that we understand the way they work now, right so so not only are you expressing the arrogance of, of the modern man by saying we've got it figured out but secondly you are you are proclaiming that divinity of that knowledge by saying oh yes this is always this is the way the universe has always worked throughout time even though we can't see it we know that's true you are you are placing your subjective knowledge on the universe as a whole that is arrogant and foolish and not at all scientific. Because, newsflash, science can't study the past in the same way that it studies the present. Why? Because we can't test it physically, we can't put it in a test tube. You can't put Alexander the Great in a test tube and, you know, test whether or not he actually did make it to India like the historical record says he did. You can't put the um, the Roman Caesars in a test tube and see if they, in fact, did the things they did. You can't see if Caesar actually invaded Gaul, right? Of course he did. Of course he did. I mean, look at look at all the stuff we have. Look, we got the Roman roads. In, in in Britain, how could he have gotten to Britain? You know, if not from the Roman roads that are in France. You know, but oh, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know that anything is true? We do. Just admit that you do take it on faith. Now, there there's some reason behind it, yes, but faith nonetheless. It's a, it is your religion, and the reason that's important. Will hopefully be the last part of this of this little little podcast here today. So glad you've joined me, by the way. Hope the audio quality is okay, because I'm experimenting today. But the last piece of this is modern man doesn't actually know that he's religious. He says he's spiritual, he wants to be spiritual. But he doesn't understand he's already religious, that he already has. Some faith by which he interprets the world. Some, not even faith. Ignore faith. Some thing, some worldview by which he interprets the world. Some governing principles that he believes, and he devotes himself to these principles every single day. He fears what what comes from them, loves what comes from them, trusts what comes from them, right? To, to be from Luther, right? This is what you fear, love, and trust in above all things, right? What is modern man afraid of, right? Lack of meaning, lack of purpose, to be forgotten. Modern man is terrified of being forgotten because He fundamentally believes that that is the nature of the universe to forget, to override, to to destroy. That this is all that there is. He's right. He sees the things, the the works of creation, right? The fallen world sees that God destroys sin, and they fear that. What does modern man love? His pleasures, his virtues, right? His ability to feel that he is in control in some way, that there is some power within him. This is why video games have become so popular, right? Why? Because that gives me control, gives me the power. I can, I can live out this world. I have this open world experience through which I can see whatever I want to see. I have control. Right? Minecraft, what is it? It's an open world to build whatever you want to build. Why? Because we recognize that in the real world, we don't have that control. We don't have that kind of control in the real world. And so we love it when we can have it. We deceive ourselves into believing that that is true. Because... We don't honestly believe that there's any value in the real world. How could, it, how could there be? Everything vanishes with time. So I may as well enjoy whatever control I can reap in this present time. Whatever things I can do for me, might as well enjoy them. What does he trust in? Uniformitarianism. Things will continue much as they always have. The internet will still be on tomorrow. The electricity will still be on tomorrow. I'll still be able to do whatever I want to do. Things will continue. Life will continue. Everything's going to be okay. And all three of these fall apart in the end. There's nuance within each one. I think each individual person has their own individual fears, loves, and trusts. But I would say this is the some of the general ethos as I've seen it. And so what happens as you get older? What happens as man ages? Right? His beauty fades. Or her beauty, as the case may be, right? Woman, the jewel of creation. What happens when the jewel begins to dim a little bit? What happens when a man's ability to trust in the work of his hands and his own control fades away because suddenly he can't do what he used to do? He can't he can't run, and he can't uh, can't really bench what he used to bench, or maybe can't bench anything at all, and he can't see quite as well as he used to see or his reflexes aren't quite as quite what they used to be he's got something going on with his hands can't quite do what he used to he starts forgetting things a little bit health problems arise and he can't can't quite afford to go golfing every afternoon anymore what happens when when the pleasures of life can't be trusted anymore what happens when that ability to set away from oneself the creeping realization that you're going to die is impossible? What happens when that, when that becomes front and center? When, when you are confronted with the fact that not only are you going to die, but you're going to be forgotten. You might be remembered for a few generations, but I mean, I don't know the name of my great-great-great grandparents. Someone does, but I don't. I don't. And eventually, they too will be forgotten. What happens when we're forgotten? What happens when we realize we will be forgotten? Right? When that fear encroaches more and more. What happens when the things we rely upon, that things will be the same? They they change. When the, the politics of the world around us shift, when the environment that we grew up in, the communities that we love, aren't quite what they used to be, When the the things, the common structures that we had, the common cultures that we had fall apart. What happens when the things that we rely upon prove to be unreliable? When the gods that modern man has for himself are shown by the one true God to be false. False. Well, it would be terrifying. And modern culture knows the terror. And so they choose ignorance instead. They choose rather than to delve into that that depth, rather than to search the darkness of, of their fears, they would rather ignore it. Rather than realize that their scientism is, is, is a religion, they say, well, religion is ridiculous. I'm not going to look at it. Of course I'm not religious. I'm spiritual, but, but you know, maybe spiritual, but religion is, oh, no, no, no. Right? They, they will look upon issues and say, well, you know, to each his own. It doesn't really matter. We all, well, we don't really know for sure what's going on. They will look at somebody who is confident with nothing but, well, actually, no, not nothing but, with either fear, fear that that person might come into their world of unsurety and and burst it, right, distrust, that they're so convinced that ignorance is the only way that anyone who's asserting the other must be lying or hatred, right? That they know what you are and they will seek to destroy you. Why? Because you are challenging their gods, the gods they don't know that they have until you come, until you come with a different religion and you are unwilling to bend to theirs, right? See, we live live in much the same time as Rome. Much the same time as all of history, really. Where people, pagans, right? Pagans are perfectly willing to let you worship what you want to worship as long as you just let them do the same. As long as you let them live the way they want to live, they will generally won't have any issue with it. As long as you are willing to just make your god one of the pantheon of gods, they're fine. But the moment you say no, there's only one. No, you can't just live on your own. No, you can't just live life the way you live your life. I'm sorry, but there's a greater truth here. When you start bursting their bubble, when you start tearing down their papier-mâché gods, what is left for them? What, what could possibly fill that void? especially if they haven't looked, especially if they've relied first and foremost on the principle that ignorance is sufficient for peace. If I just don't think about it, it's okay. I don't know all the science. All I know is there's people who study it, and they know what they're talking about. Look, I don't really understand the ins and outs of biology and and you know abiogenesis right abiogenesis being the idea that life can come from nothing right i don't understand how that works but all i know is that it does why ultimately the answer is for them because it has to because it has to work or else my god is false and if he's false i'm in a hopeless position. Not to say that I'm in a hopeful position if he is alive, but, but at the very least, if I'm confronted with the fact that it's a false God, then I have to, I have to believe something. Then I have to put, put my stake somewhere. I have to risk the fact that maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe man doesn't have all the answers and I could be wrong. And I would rather go to hell than be wrong. I would rather live in uncertainty and, 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 and deceive myself and suffer the consequences than actually consider what it is that I believe. I think this is what underlies the nuns, right? The N-O-N-E-S, the people who don't affiliate with any religion. They they didn't grow up with religion. So they thought, because their parents had rejected, the faith, right, that it was unnecessary for their lives, for their parents' lives. But, but in that rejection, they did not. Their parents did not reject, the underlying philosophies, in in large part, right. Oh, just be a good person. I believe people are good. People are good, and you know, God wants you to be happy and fulfilled in life, right. They got that from somewhere. They got that from from well, frankly, a Christian heresy. That's what it is. And it's why the confession needs to be made against it. But but the simple clear confession that there is a God and and you're not him and and that we know who that God is. We know our God. We know his name. I can I can call on the name of the Lord when I am in trouble. I can ask him for what is good, right? I can ask him for daily bread. So I'm not trusting that the world will continue to function the way it always has. I'm, I'm trusting that my father in heaven, it will be gracious to me every single day. Even if I forget to ask, he will be merciful and feed me anyway. So I'm trusting, not in the nature of the universe of some abstract deity, but in in the nature of the God who sent his son to die for me. I'm calling upon that name. I am thanking him for that gift of salvation, for that gift of daily bread, for that gift of forgiveness, for the gift of life. I, have, I can directly thank the one who gave me life. Not some abstract concept of time. Not some abstract concept of, well, through death we evolve. No. God has a name. And I can actually give thanks to him for the gifts he gives me. What a comfort that is. I can, I can ask him for the good things that I, I seek in this life the pleasures and comforts and I can give thanks to him when he gives me suffering instead, <laughs> when he gives me trials because I tr- I can trust that he is there to deliver me. I can love God. I can fear God. I can fear the one who destroys both body and soul in hell because he has promised to save me from it. You, listener, he has hes promised to save you too. Right? The idea that, that the listener at this point is a scientismist would be awesome for me because God bless you for listening through all this theology. But yes, you too. You too. He saved you. He's promised to deliver you because he sent his son to die for you. All the world. First, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so also must the Son of Man be lifted up, that all who believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The world, you, you. There is a God that I know because he's revealed himself to me. He's created faith in my heart through his word. And I have confidence in that. Not in the fact that I could somehow test that out. I'm not going to pull a microscope into the church service and explore the sound particles that come from my pastor's mouth when he preaches the word to me. That come from my fellow congregation as they sing the liturgy, though the words of the Bible. Right? That's why the liturgy is beautiful because it's just the Bible, guys. It's just the Bible. You're hearing the word of God right i'm not going to examine the atoms because that's not where god is working right it is where he's working yes but but you can't you can't see that he's working in the heart he's working deeper than that and no you can't see that with science but neither can you see too and so if we're both stuck here asking questions about what is real I pity you if you do not see this truth. If you're stuck believing in the works of your own hands, in the God of time, in the God of, of death and power, who will ultimately abandon you and destroy you, the God of the world, I pity you because there is good news. There is, there's, there is a great good news there is a God whose name you can know. Outside of you, there's a God who you can know. That 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 concept may be f- is so foreign to the modern world that we could know the name of God, that we could call on that name, is not foreign. Right? They mock us regularly for praying all of this and thoughts and prayers, and we mock mock that as well. Right? We. We take prayer far too lightly. Think about it. We have the gift of going and sending our requests to the right hand of the Lord of the universe, the creator of the universe. Here's our humble supplications to make our lives a little bit easier because that's always what they are. And he is merciful enough to grant them and occasionally he's so gracious that he doesn't because he knows instead that there's something better to do for us, for his church, for his people. Sometimes he's so gracious that he doesn't, doesn't give us what we want. What a blessing that is. And we can say that's a blessing. Because he spoke and he told us that's what his will is. Because he he promised in his own name to bring us from death. That's a comforting thought. That is a foundation. How firm a foundation that is. What a comforting thought that is. and And that is what the world does not have. And that's what it's afraid of that's what terrifies them because they know they don't have it and because their hearts are hardened against it and so trying to go and preach this this good wonderful news that they that they would hear and 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 welcome gladly if they believed it they will reject it my friend didn't become a Christian because I told him I, I, I had a different God, and he never will if I keep telling him that. Well, I just keep telling him, look, I disagree with you on abortion because we have different religions. That does us no good. But when I said that the difference between us is that I believe that Christ is risen from the dead and you do not, and he understood that much. And he acknowledged that the core and center of my faith was Christ's resurrection. At least he knows that. And and my conscience is, is clear in that regard. That I've made that testimony to him and that he knows it. And I pray, I pray that that God would create faith in his heart. That there would come along another who can who can nurture that. That seed that I, I pray that I've I've that the Lord has planted <laughs> through through the conversations that I've had with him. That he might repent of his of his scientism and come to know the name of God, come to call on it for help from trouble. That he wouldn't curse it and lie about it, as though, as though God could put his, his, his eternal work alongside the lies of man. I pray that, I pray that he would repent, that my friend would repent of that and would come to faith. And it's out of my control, whether he does or not. But I can continue to give him that good confession, right? And, And every other friend that I have, I can continue to tell them, this is what I believe. And I cannot agree with you on anything outside of this except in in those things that are derived from that. I cannot have Concordia with you if just because you think that murdering people is wrong too. Why? Why do you believe that? The natural law? Yeah, it's the law of God, sure. But which God? And what, is, what, is, what, is, what else does he say? Who is your God who tells you not to kill people? Is it your own mind? Your own belief in the, the structure of the world? The structure of creation? Is it your own belief that abstractions are real? That numbers exist and so you've, you've done all the math and you've figured out that killing people is mathematically bad? Is that your God? is that what you believe? Because that's not mine. That is not the triune god. Right? That is not God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. God the Son, Jesus, who was born, lived, suffered, died, was buried, Rose again, ascended, and will return. That is not the Holy Spirit who creates faith in the heart through the Word, who nourishes and strengthens the church through baptism and the forgiveness of sins. That's my God. The Trinity and unity and unity and Trinity. Right? I could go through the Athanasian Creed here. I have to do that one time, the two and a half minute Athanasian Creed. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing <laughs> that we can f- confess that, that our children can confess that, that our, our youth can sit at the feet of the wise men of the world. Jordan Peterson, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, Our children can go up to them with great confidence and proclaim to them truth that they will never find in their own head of the God whose name we hallow, right? Whose name is set apart in our midst, right? Nothing could be worse than cursing in the name of of Jesus, right? We do it. We do it nonchalantly nowadays. It's great. Great work by Satan. Um, it's brilliant, frankly. But what is that name? It's not a curse. It's a blessing. It's a comfort, to us, who have the knowledge of what we believe, who have the knowledge of what is of what is true. Of the f- of of the actual nature of the universe, we have that. Let us not forget that let's not let's not let it fall aside let's not pretend that we can believe the same things as the universe as the rest of the universe you know as the rest of the world <laughs> the universe you know who knows we we can't let the world think that we have the same gods because we don't. Now, that doesn't mean we need to shove it down their faces. Of course not. We don't have to go out there and, and brag about how they have no confidence, right? Because Oh, how that will set their teeth on edge. How they will, you know, go straight to the hating. Rather, we ought always to be ready to give the hope that is in us, the reason for the hope that is in us, yes, but also just to spread the hope, spread the consolation, spread the good news. There is a God who is willing and able to forgive your sins, who you can know. And you need not trust in your own devices, in your own wisdom, in your own science. You need not look to uh, the, your, your scientific overlords, to tell you what is true. You can know it because God says it. And you don't even have to trust the, the man in the pulpit. Read the book. It's the, it's the most accessible book on earth. The, hi, uh, the, the greatest history book of all time. Collections of histories and letters and songs, all of which testify to one thing and one thing only the god who came who loved sinners enough to die for them and in that knowledge we ought to rejoice and in that comfort we can live and what what could be better than that what could what could be better to spread to our brothers who who brothers and sisters you know, and brothers <laughs> who have no confidence than this firm foundation. Dear Christians, one and all rejoice with exultation springing and with united heart and voice and holy rapture singing, proclaim the wonders God has done how his right arm the victory won, what price our ransom cost him. Fast bound in Satan's chains I lay, death brooded darkly o'er me. Sin was my torment night and day, in sin my mother bore me, but daily deeper still I fell, my life became a living hell, so firmly sin possessed me. My own good works all came to naught, no grace or merit gaining, free will against God's judgment fought, dead to all good remaining. My fear is increased till sheer despair left only death to be my share. The pangs of hell I suffered. But God had seen my wretched state before the world's foundation. And mindful of his mercies great, he planned for my salvation. He turned to me a father's heart. He did not choose the easy part, but gave his dearest treasure. God said to his beloved son, it's time to have compassion. Then go bright jewel of my crown and bring to all salvation from sin and sorrow, set them free, slay bitter death for them, that they may live with you forever. The son obeyed his father's will, was born a virgin mother, and God's good pleasure to fulfill, he came to be my brother. His royal power disguised he bore, a servant's form like mine he wore, to lead the devil captive. To me he said, stay close to me, I am your rock and castle, your ransom I myself will be, for you I strive and wrestle. For I am yours, and you are mine. And where I am, you may remain. The foe shall not divide us. Though he will shed my precious blood, me of my life bereaving, all this I suffer for your good. Be steadfast and believing. Life will from death the victory win. My innocence shall bear your sin, and you are blessed forever. Now to my Father I depart from earth to heaven ascending, and heavenly wisdom to impart the Holy Spirit sending. In trouble he will comfort you, and teach you always to be true, and into truth shall guide you. What I on earth have done and taught, guide all your life and teaching. So shall the kingdom's work be wrought and honored in your preaching. But watch lest foes with base alloy the heavenly treasure should destroy. This final word I leave you. God's peace be with you all. Amen. Amen.